0: Hey, Trev. Hey, Caleb. How are you doing? Good. You're not Mike. Mm-mm. Well, uh, yeah. So, Mike is actually out of town. He's out of country. And uh, rather than um, not have any episodes for all the listeners, uh, we we agreed to invite some special guests. So, uh, tonight, we have Trev Page from Model 3 Owners Club. And, uh Tonight is a special episode, uh, mainly because you've actually gotten to spend some time with the Model 3 and have a massive video up. Uh, It's over an hour long uh, and has like closing in on half a million views as the time we record. So it's pretty, pretty good timing there.
1: Yeah, it certainly exceeded my expectations.
0: Yeah, so... Let's, let's jump in. I'm sure people are super excited and many people have probably seen the video. And if you haven't, uh, we'll have a link to it in the show notes as well. But, um, so you got to spend two days with the model three, how, can you give us a little bit of background on sort of how that happened and, um, just sort of orient us to what you got to do with the model three,
1: uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it came about because, uh, obviously, you know, we run the forum and stuff, so we kind of have our thing, you know, our thumb on the pulse of what's going out, you know, as far as deliveries are going on. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, Ken and I had done a show before, and we kind of mentioned that, you know, we would like to be able to do some kind of early look at the Model 3 when the time came. Um, and things went silent for a while, of course. And then when delivery started to employees, uh, we had two or three form members who were on there, and they finally got noticed that uh, they received their cars. And uh, we got a couple of invites, and um, one of them didn't kind of work out because of timing and stuff, and the other one did. So, uh, yeah, Ken and I left the country because they're not available in Canada. We had to right. go down to the U.S., of course. And we got to spend the better part of two days um, looking over every inch of the car. And, uh, yeah, I mean, we had a very long laundry list of things to check because it's something that we've been talking about for months, of course. Um, Not not only, of course, amongst ourselves, but also with, you know, foreign members. Uh, Because, you know, with Tesla, there's not a lot of details about the car. So we had a very long three, four page list of everything we wanted to check on the car, Mm -hmm. um, including measurements. Because, you know, of course, you know, we need to know what, you know, how size of everything was. So our approach with the car really wasn't a review. It was a in-depth look at the car. And I really wanted to go through the car and present it as if we were kind of like a delivery specialist, Mm -hmm. In a way, like if if somebody was taking the delivery of the car, what are the kind of things you're going to need to know? So that was kind of the tack that I really wanted to take with showing the car was to present it as if, you know, an informational thing, not a review. Because, look, we're not professional car reviewers. That's best left, you know, to the big guys. So that's why we really didn't really get into driving dynamics and all the other stuff is more about the details.
0: Right. Because I remember looking at the forum and seeing there were pages and pages and pages of questions and It's quite unusual, I think, for a car, and we've talked about this in the past, but for a car to have so many unanswered questions uh, when it's already, you know, somewhat available and people are taking uh, delivery when most manufacturers are have spec sheets and massive websites already trying to get anyone to pay attention uh, to what's interesting and new about the car. And in this case, you guys had a huge list of things people were curious about and, you know, from the tiniest minute details about placements of buttons to, you know, the depth of one part of the car and it must've been pretty daunting, uh, trying to, (laughs) trying to make sure you handled all those. So, um, so I guess my, uh, to start the whole conversation, what were your overall impressions driving the vehicle and just the, the vehicle overall, not just driving, but you've been in a Model S any other experience with Tesla's to help orient listeners to you know how how familiar you are with the vehicles themselves
1: uh, well, I've never driven a roadster, so I've driven an s and an x on several mm-hmm. occasions, and of course it's spent the better part of oh I guess an hour driving the model three um, Of course, this is going back a little bit here because it's not fresh in my mind I've only driven the car once, so yeah. you know it's kind of hard to go back and say but I'm going to kind of reiterate, and I don't want to be a shill for Elon Musk here in the in this sense, but um, I don't think he was lying when he says that the Model 3 really is just a smaller version of a, Mo- of a Model S. That's really kind of my overall impressions of the car is that they took kind of like the best things about the car and shrunk it down, eliminated things that made sense, uh, added things that made sense, and in some ways started with a, a clean sheet of paper in terms of the technology. Literally everything about this car is new. So... Um, you know, and the other thing too, my takeaway from the car is that there's an incredible amount of attention to detail. I don't know how many man hours they put into this thing, but it it really shows. And I know it's hard to say; it sounds kind of cliched, but. I think a lot of people will really understand in the early reports, you know, of course, on the forum for people that have actually seen the Model 3 in person. There was a meetup, I think, in San Diego just happened this past weekend mm-hmm. um, that the consensus is coming back is like, wow, they really did spend uh, a lot of time on the details of the car. So um, and so that was really my takeaway is, that, you know, it shows a lot of attention to detail as well as, you know, some forward thinking things, too. Cool. So jumping into specific areas of
0: the vehicle so we can we can focus the conversation. Um, On the exterior, were there things that jumped out at you or questions that you answered uh, for forum members that sort of are particularly um, unique to the Model 3? Maybe I I remember watching the video and seeing the headlights were kind of special in their construction uh, compared to the SNX.
1: Um, well, I'll be honest. I haven't really taken a very, very close look at the headlights on an S or an X. Uh, you know, obviously, the, you know since the refresh of the Model S, they've gone to more of the Model X style where they have the frosted, you know, daytime running lights. Mm-hmm. But, um, I mean, you got to see the Model 3 in person, of course, at the delivery event. And you got to see, of course, that the headlights are considerably different on the Model 3. Right. And when I really got up close to the car, before I started filming anything, I really, you know, spent some time on that and just take a look at, you know, how am I going to present this thing? And that's when I really started to notice things like, um, well, more, it was more of the, um, the, actually the, the main headlight beams, Mm. um, that they're not LEDs facing out. They're actually buried up and they kind of reflect down. I thought that was interesting. That's why I wanted to point it out on the video. So that was a little bit different there. Um. Overall, on the outside of the vehicle, um, there was nothing really that jumped out at me because, you know, we've been seeing, you know, pictures for months on this car. So mm-hmm. we kind of knew a lot of the, you know, kind of the minutiae of the, of the vehicle. Um, most of the stuff that we really wanted to answer as far as the exterior of the car were, you know, burning questions about things like, you know, is there a tow hitch on this thing? um you know it, where's where's the roof rack <laughs> you know elon had tweeted there's going to be a roof rack is mm-hmm. there going to you know is there going to be a, a tow hitch so i was pretty much able to confirm almost with a uh, you know 99% certainty uh, certainty uh, certainty that there is uh, attachment points buried in the all glass roof there in the, in the rails and the rubber, you know, seals there, uh, where a roof rack would attach now, mm. but there's no sign of a, of a tow hitch. And I know that's upsetting a lot of people, but I also mentioned on the video, of course, that, uh, you know, things can change in the future. This is just kind of the first iteration of the car, you know, model S and model X, uh, are not the same vehicles when they first shipped. So, uh, there's certainly a lot, you know, opportunity for them to change things on the car, but, um, uh, honestly, you know, my most of my impressions of the c- vehicle and my expectations were more about w- what's the interior like. Mm. And, uh, you know, we'll get into that. But, uh, you know, let's face it, that's where we spend most of our time in the car. So uh, to me, that was m- more important than the exterior of the car. And I guess one thing,
0: you know, when we were both at the delivery event, uh, there was some question or at least people who were maybe a little bit dubious of Tesla's claims that the quality was going to be even better potentially than snx uh, that, oh, well, these are the show cars. These are the cars that they've been able to go over with a super fine tooth comb for anyone to go into, you know, the, the perennial challenge for Tesla, it seems on the forums has been panel gaps. Uh, curious if you had any <laughs> comments on just sort of the fit and finish of the exterior to lay, you know, concerns, uh, that maybe that's not a problem as much, at least on the vehicle you saw
1: well i'll I'll, i will say that there is always the potential that because these cars are you know not mass produced at this point that probably a lot more attention has been spent on fit and finish on these cars now whether that translates into you know the final vehicle i have fairly high confidence that they've got their their stuff together on the car but no um i felt that you know and i looked at that of course because you know People are asking about it. Um, I felt the panel gaps were very even. I mean, I've seen, you know, wildly variance, you know, a lot of variances on an S or an X as far as that's concerned. Um, and I'll say, you know, the panel gaps generally on a Model X are better than a Model S. Now I don't know whether that's just an evolution of their design methods or it's a difference in the dyes or something like that. To Mm -hmm. me, it just you know, I look at a Model S in a lot of ways and I look at the hood, for example, and I'm like it just seems to me that the die, the, the stamping die is too small, <laughs> right? So it ends up with, you know, gaps on either side. So, uh, but on the model three, it, it's very consistent. The gaps are very, you know, much higher quality than what I've seen in the past. Are they of the same quality of, uh, of a Japanese or, a, um, or German car? Um, I would say they're close, but not a hundred percent. I mean, of course I didn't have a car beside it to compare it to, mm-hmm. but, um, my takeaway is that the quality is quite high on the car. Um, if I have any quibbles about the vehicle and, you know, we didn't really cover that in the video because it wasn't about, you know, you know, quality and stuff. It it wasn't a review. It was just about, you know, informational. Um, I think the part that, that I wasn't a hundred percent impressed with was more of the fit and finish, not the fit and finish, but um, uh, you know, when you open the trunk lid on the back, um, if you look at a trunk lid on an S or an X, for example, um the plastic cladding that covers the metal inside is quite substantial it's thick uh, on the model three i felt that, that it was rather thin not thin in terms of thickness but just uh, just substantial Quality that was mm-hmm. the one thing that got me, and the other part too was the uh, the carpeting coming up the sides um, in the trunk and coming up to where the, you know the metal back is whatever was w- wasn't finished all the way up. Mm-hmm. Um, but other than that, uh, you know everything else was was quite nice. I mean, there's lots of plastic cladding in the in the trunk area. If any of you are out there and, and have an opportunity. Um, and want a pretty good idea of the quality differences. Um, if you go look at a Model X, for example, and open the rear hatch or the front, you'll find that the plastic on the Model X, not the Model S, but the Model X, um, has some rubberized components in it. So it, you know, the cladding is much more flexible. It, it has a quality finish. That, that, that's my opinion, of course. And um, But the cladding on the Model 3 is more like a Model S. It's a harder plastic mm-hmm. and stuff. So, But that's about my only real, if you want to call it quibbles about the car.
0: And then I guess one of the things that Mike and I have always sort of joked about is uh, people's concern of a micro trunk, Uh, people Mm. asking for bigger trunk, bigger aperture. Uh, I know you guys spent a fair amount of time on cargo capacity and got out the tape measure to really uh, give people accurate dimensions, both on the aperture and the depth and the uh, sort of (laughs) overall. So if people want to know the exact measurements of that, they can check the video. But I'm curious, sort of just your guys' use, you brought a lot of stuff. How did the cargo situation work out uh, and thoughts on that?
1: I was very impressed with the with the cargo capacity of the car. I mean, you know that that's the one area, of course, that was kind of off limits at the delivery event. As you right. can attest to, um, so we went in like like anybody else. What is the actual size of this thing? Because it, it it matters. So that's why we spent an inordinate amount of time in the video going over the dimensions of the trunk of uh, and of course with the front trunk as well. Because I mean, these are the questions that everybody has. So. Um, my takeaway is that uh, we fit a lot of stuff in the in the trunk of that car uh, when we got off the airplane, and uh, and we didn't have to put the seats back. So I think for day to day use, people are going to be very happy with it. Of course, you know when you put the seats down, I mean you can you can lay down inside the car. So I was very impressed with the, with the cargo capacity of it. Um, the only limiting factor, of course, is unlike a Model S, um, it's not a whole lift back. It's more of a traditional. Um, you know trunk like on a sedan however they did hinge it much higher up in the c pillars than you would normally find yeah um,
0: that's what it looked like sedan yeah that's what it looked like to me in the videos and videos we had seen of the double hinge really seems to get it up and out of the way which allowed them to also sort of create a, a taller entryway instead of it sort of being like a, a, a wide rectangle it's sort of taller almost more square of an opening um
1: yeah i agree with you 100 percent there i think you know the compromise of course with the fixed glass in the back is that you have to have some kind of way of making a large aperture so um you know, I, th- I think what they've done here with the Model Three is a very good compromise in the sense that they were able to, um, by putting the hinges much further up on the on the C pillars on the rear, it open it it gets the lid completely out of the way. So at that point, when you do that, it gives you um, more real estate, so to speak, um, from at least from a height aspect uh, to be able to make that opening quite large. So I was very, very happy to see that. And that worked uh, quite well. Um, if we talk about the frunk a little bit, um, I like the little garbage or not garbage, but the, um, uh, the grocery bag clips. Mm. I think that's, that was a nice innovation. Matter of fact, actually there on purpose, it's not just um, a design thing that underneath there, there's um, bolts that hold in the, um, you know the plastic liner for the uh, for the front trunk, so that's kind of a double duty there. It was quite mm-hmm. nice. I will mention one thing though about um, attention to detail, and I, I I put out a tweet there. I think it was earlier mm, yesterday. I think it was Tesla. <laughs> there's oh, a lot the of pride threes. in this car. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> they hid this little three bar Model Three logo that you know, of course, was supposed to be the logo. Everywhere in this car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, on the, it's on the grocery bag uh, clips. It's, um, it's buried in several places in the um, floorboards in the metal of the car. Um, it's on the tether, the, the, the child tethers at the back. It's hidden on the button to raise the, uh, the middle headrest for the rear seat. You can't oh, even wow. see it. Yeah, we
0: didn't see and that. And I yeah.
1: didn't even notice it until I went over my footage there yesterday. I said, you know, I've seen these little logos everywhere. I wonder where else I could find it. And of course I went through my footage and I saw it again. I thought, oh my gosh. So stuff like that just shows that there's there's a lot of attention to detail and there's a certain amount of pride, of course. They you know, I mean they spent a lot of time on this car. Yeah. And I
0: guess one of the other things that's funny about that is uh just from my mind is questioning wondering whether or not they had those in there before they changed uh the logo from the three bar one unto to the actual numeral three. Because remember at the reveal it was the three bars and then they still echoed that at the, um, uh, the delivery event a little bit in some of the signage they had so maybe the maybe they'll uh they still are just sort of lingering that'll just sort of be a long-term easter egg hopefully they don't get uh. rid of it in the next <laughs> next revisions but uh you know it's all the way well, down to
1: the stamp panels so those are designed quite yeah, a while exactly. ago and it does reflect the e and the tesla logo of course so no, that's no, true I think that yeah this, yeah this is baked in from a long time ago i don't think it's ever going to change it's just just what they wanted and i think the change of the logo to a numeral three was just a legal thing that's all that was
0: one of the things i was super curious about it's a very tiny detail but I noticed in the front trunk the carpeting seemed to have a logo in it and I couldn't tell if that was just like a one-time vacuum pattern they had done or do you remember what, like do you remember I know you what you're talking that? about
1: yeah. Uh, yeah I know exactly what you're talking about and we didn't notice it um, mm. when we were filming because it was so subtle uh, it wasn't until I reviewed the footage and I saw that so it's 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 in the pile hmm. it's it's not a, awesome. it's not a vacuum it's not a vacuum thing. So I thought that was quite interesting. But yes, I mean, I, that even caught me by surprise because we literally did not see that when we were uh, looking at it in person. So anybody who out there uh, looking at a Model 3, look for it.
0: One of the other neat little details, and it's kind of the cargo stuff, was the, uh, the, the new UMC seems to have a special, uh, not Velcro, but special thing on the back to help it from sliding around. Maybe you could talk, did you see that as well on the carpeting in the frunk? Like, or if you have it in the front or the trunk, it... It doesn't slide and make noise rattling. It's pretty cool.
1: Yeah, it's pretty. Well, they're putting it in this new little case now. It's not a round mm-hmm. case, it's kind of a squarish case with some padding and stuff. So I think that's probably just an iteration to keep the noise down if it's flying around inside the car. Yeah, it's pretty um, cool. I will say that there is, I mean, if you look at the video, we pointed out on the left hand side of the car, there is a little bit of a pocket in the side rail. It's not as pronounced as, say, the Model S, but uh, I think that's a spot where you can kind of throw that in there if you need to.
0: Mm. So then moving to the interior, which I think was probably the least well known. And, you know, when we were getting rides, it was dark out and we had five minutes max. Um, and I know you were touching everything to figure out if it was was soft touch and it, it has been soft touch, but maybe you could talk a little bit about, uh, the interior itself and not, not sort of the UI or anything like that, but just sort of the physicality of the interior. And for folks who are, uh, maybe coming from an Audi or a BMW or Mercedes, like what is, what's the reality on the ground of being in the car and touching things and where your knee hits and where your arm rests like how how are the ergonomics of what the interior lends itself to
1: um well i'm glad you asked that because my takeaway from the interior on the model 3 and i've said this i think a few times before is that um what tesla's done with the model 3 is they fixed what i see as deficiencies in the model s (laughs) Um, I mean, the cup holders in the Model S are completely in the wrong spot. Yes, I can, no I can
0: attest to that. Yeah.
1: Exactly. And it, you know, it doesn't have door pockets. Uh, the armrests, uh, I'm mean, reading, are, are shallow and they're angled down in the Model S. So, you know, our arm is always slipping off. Um, I think what tesla really did with the model 3 here is they took a lot of design cues from german cars i mean the 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 armrests and the handles from the inside of the vehicle are just like a a bmw 3 series so there's some definitely some inspiration there Mm -hmm. um as far as the fit and finish is, is concerned on the on the on the interior seats aside um was excellent um i think Part of that really comes down to being a much simpler interior not a lot of little doodads and stuff to kind of break up things and and ruin the lines of the car so Mm -hmm. the fit and finish was 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 very good on the car um the other thing too is the materials feel high quality now when i say high quality to me that means not hard plasticky there's only a couple of spots on the interior that it's really hard plastic naming uh namely um the speaker grills in the door Mm-hmm. Um, and parts of the dash that are not wood covered or the front part, which is, you know, very squishy kind of rubbery kind of material, um, that I was very pleased with, uh, to see that because, you know, there's... I see a, a definite trend in most affordable cars on the market these days that uh, from very hard plastics. You've probably seen it on the, on the Chevy Bolt, for oh, example. Oh yeah,
0: I was just thinking about the Bolt. Yeah, tons yeah. of hard plastic.
1: Yeah, and to me, that's not high quality. It may look nice, but I mean, if you're going to touch stuff, if it's if you're spending this kind of money on a car, because let's face it, Model Three is not going to be a cheap car. No. you know, thirty five thousand dollars aside. Um, so I was very pleased with that. Um. I think, um, you know, I understand the interior for a lot of people is not their cup of tea because of the simplistic nature, but I think once people really get used to it, um, a lot of those kind of issues kind of fall back by the wayside because there's also the other aspect here that I really took away from it was ergonomics. Um, The ergonomics in the Model 3, as far as I'm concerned with the touchscreen and everything that you get to is, is actually better in a lot of ways. So... Um yeah, that's my other thing. And and I really like the center console. I mean I I do like some Model S's with the older yacht floor, you know, the one without the center console. Right, and of course the job added... straight down. Exactly. So there's something to be said for that to, you know, to give you the flexibility to put th- um, you know, bags and so on and so forth, but there's not a lot of cubby space because of course in a Model S you don't have door pockets. So where are you gonna put your things? Yep. Um and of course, you know, a couple of years back they added the uh the center console. On the Model X, and of course, they, they retrofitted the Model uh, S with it. But in the Model Three, it really represents kind of like a new thinking. Look, if we're going to design a car with with a center console, um, you know, standard, what can we do? And um, I think they really nailed it with this. I would like to see this center console arrangement more in the newer cars. I think that um, looking at this now, I think there's some definitely some areas in an S or an X where they can do an interior refresh. And of course, you know, scuttlebutt going around is that sure. that's going to happen.
0: So you didn't men- you didn't mention the seats. What's your impression of the comfort of the seats, the softness? I know we've always talked. You and I have talked privately about the the white, ultra white seats having such <laughs> a different hand feel and sort of suppleness. I'm really curious. Personally, uh, you didn't touch on it too much in the video. What was your impression of the seats and the texture of this new uh, non leather vegan material? That maybe not new. Maybe it is the same as what they're doing in the S now, but.
1: Yeah, I, I actually saw a recent um, Model S with this, I think it's all the, you know, whatever they're calling it, the vegan or the synthetic leather now. Um, to me, it felt the same way. It, mm-hmm. it looks the same. Now, the seat design, of course, is different. Of course, the pattern on it is a little different. Um, the bolstering on this, I will tell you this. I mean, we, my wife and I both spent some time in a Model S with the first generation seats, and they're not good. Uh, but on the Model 3, um, they're much closer to, say, the next gen or the current gen seats mm-hmm. on a Model S, minus... A little bit of extra bolstering of course because you know the, the seats are not quite as premium in this car but um very comfortable i have no uh, no problems with the seats whatsoever so um yeah i'm happy about that now as far as the quality of the materials are concerned Um, You know, of course, Tesla's using all this new um, artificial, you know, leather, vegan, whatever you want to call it now. Um, Time will tell whether it holds up quite well. Uh, Anecdotally, you know, the white seat's been out on the Model S for, you know, what, a year, year and a half now? Seems to be holding up quite well, aside from cleaning it, of course. Yep. Um, So, no, I was happy with the seats. I don't have any issues with that. Um, So it does have that soft hand feel that you would get
0: if you... You know, touch the the white. If you've touched the white, ultra white seats, I would say like it's that. it's
1: close. I don't think it's quite as supple of the mm. white. The white is pretty special. I mean, if yeah. you've never, you know, you've you've probably experienced it yourself. The white is a pretty special. Um, I don't know what it is, but it's it's almost like baby skin. That's so soft. Yeah, it's very strange because it's super
0: soft and it also has more pliability to it. So on a big mm-hmm. leather seat, if you push it a lot of times, you sort of feel like you're moving. A lot more area because it's just so tensilely strong. But the, mm-hmm. the ultra white, it just sort of gives more like a marshmallow, and even though it's white, you know, it just sort of conjures this <laughs> marshmallowy, soft, supple thing. And so I was really curious. Because those seats are super taut. Um, how, yeah, how it felt? It,
1: yeah, my takeaway from the black uh, on this vehicle was the the seats felt more like leather, mm. like a traditional leather. So it's yeah. a little tighter. Yeah, maybe they so, are
0: using. A, maybe that material is anchored more on a leather feel than just like yeah. futuristic white that isn't even supposed to be like leather.
1: My, my only complaint about the seats in general, and because you know, uh, you know, it seems that Tesla is doing their seats internally rather than using external. Um, you know, supplier and stuff is that I think there's some areas of the seats that Tesla, you know, unilaterally needs to work on it. And normally in the corners and stuff where the stitching comes through, sometimes you get some wrinkles Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you look at a lot of cars, um, this car was exhibiting a tiny little bit about that, um, mostly in the back seats. So I think there's still a little bit of work to be done there, but, um, overall, uh, I have no complaints about the seats other than that.
0: And how about the, um, adjustability? Cause they, I guess, what 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 is they saying? They're saying there's 12 way. So there was
1: definitely 12 way. Yeah. And yeah. so is there lumbar built into that or no? Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah, there's that's lumbar great. control. Um, we put the seats all the way back, like we put the seat back. And uh, even with the seats up in the back seat, we were able to touch the back of the seat onto the back of the back seat. So, I mean, if you want to camp out in the front of this car, um, you can certainly put the seat back quite a ways. So I was actually surprised. I didn't think it was going to go back that far, but it did. Um, adjustability is really nice. It does have memory, and it's stored as part of the profiles. We can talk about profiles, but yeah. you know, that's the other question that people talk about all the time. Uh, don't don't let me forget. I'll mention that. Yeah.
0: So one um, last... Oh, sorry. One okay. last thing on the interior I was curious about its seat position. Um, so obviously the X has sort of this helicopter style thing that has incredible visibility and the uh, cross member above your head is behind your head, which means you just see glass. And then the S mm-hmm. is, when I've driven it, it feels a little bit batmobile claustrophobic. Like It's just a little bit of a more of that, I don't know, high waistline slit opening for the windshield. It's very angled. So how would you position the Model 3? Because uh, driving driving visibility has been something I'm super curious about. I know a lot of people are. Which way does it lean? More Model <laughs> X or Model S? Or is
1: it different? It, I agree with you 100% on your observations. I would put the Model 3 as halfway between the two.
0: Mm. Uh,
1: that's my takeaway. Um, short of having that large windshield like the Model X, um, it definitely feels like the rails. I'll, I'll tell you this. Getting in and out of the Model 3, Is easier than a Model S. Uh, You probably experienced this. Getting in the Model S, it feels like you're dropping into the car.
0: Yeah, like a sports car.
1: Yeah, exactly. And the Model 3 feels higher. Um, You know, I mean, you're still sitting down a little bit, but it doesn't feel like you're flopping into the car. Uh, Model X, of course, is different because, you know, it's higher up off the ground and stuff. But I felt that the egress uh, and the ingress on the car was much easier, especially in the back, Mm. Uh, which surprised me. I thought it was going to be, you know, a little difficult. But uh, no, I was very surprised with that. As far as the seating position, I think not so much the seating position, but I think it's the combination, as you mentioned, with the, um, you know, the first cross member in the front. It feels like it's pushed back a little bit more. I agree with you in a Model S. It feels a little bit more claustrophobic. Um, But I think the combination of the low dash pushed forward and the screen out of your way, the visibility out of the front of the Model 3, I, I I can't express in... In in words, how much how good it is. Mm. It's um, it's very surprising. I think when people actually get to drive the car, they'll really like the driving position of the car because it, the visibility is just excellent. Oh, of course, you know the shorter nose on the car helps.
0: Yeah, that was the thing too. I was going to point out was in the GoPro footage that you had as well. Uh, it was very clear you could see the at least from that vantage point you could see the whole hood sort of roll down, mm-hmm. which in some cars you can't even see the hood, which is troublesome. And then sometimes you see only the hood and you can't see where it ends. But it looked like in the Model 3 you could actually see it roll down and you could see the ground, the pavement. Uh, could you actually see that from your driving position or was that just from the mounted to the glass roof?
1: No, when I was driving the car, I couldn't see the hood. The only part of the hood I could actually see were the sharp creases on the on the right and the left. You know how the, mm, how the, the fender, fenders come yeah. up? Yeah, the fender comes up. Um so yeah, it was it was it was it was quite surprising. Um, and I wouldn't say jarring, but it was mm-hmm. like, wow, this is a breath of fresh air. Um, plus the fact, of course, of how quiet the car is. I can't believe how much... I don't know what it is. It's partly aerodynamics, probably some sound deadening, but it was quite remarkable how quiet the car was. Was it, did, did you feel like it was actually
0: less than the Model 3, or sorry, the Model S that you drove, the 2013, 2014 one?
1: Oh, definitely quieter. Oh, Interesting. yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And not just from motor whine or anything, it was just like overall sound dampening was better.
1: No, the Model 3 definitely has, I mean, a little bit of a motor whine. It sounds a little different than the Model S, but mm. the, again, you know, in an hour you can't really make up, sure. your, you know, you can't really describe it, but it definitely has, you know, a, a different sound. Um, it's not displeasing or anything like that. It's certainly not loud at all. Um, The fun factor is certainly there. Well, I mean, we'll talk about the driving, yeah. you know, maybe a little bit later. But no, I was very pleased. I mean, uh, you know, driving the car as far as the ergonomics were concerned and stuff, it's, uh, they've done a, a, a really good job on, on this. And um, yeah.
0: I think that's one of the things that people maybe underappreciate who aren't super attuned to what's going on in cars is the... Uh, lower price cars tend to have less sound dampening and less just acoustical focus. And Lexus famously had ads about the sound dampening inside of their vehicles and the smoothness. And one of the things you notice when you're in super premium vehicles is how how quiet they are inside and mm-hmm. even with super beefy engines. Um, and it's just sort of lends to this more peaceful, more serene aspect. And so that was definitely something I was curious about if they would improve or even maintain the the sound dampening that they had done in the model s and x and it sounds like definitely they've done that and maybe even a little bit more
1: i it's hard to it's hard to put into words but um i mean when we were driving the car the only thing we could really hear was tire noise and the ac running i mean Mm -hmm. the i I was paying i was trying to pay attention to the wind noise uh, on the car, because of course when you have wind going past, say things like the mirrors, you get that turbulence, you can see, you can certainly hear that. Mm-hmm. And when I was not driving the car, but when I was a passenger in the vehicle, I I put my head right up against where the mirror area was, and I couldn't hear anything. I was very surprised. It, it's I I can't put it into words. It was it's like the aerodynamics of this thing is just exemplary. It was very smooth airflow over the vehicle. It was quite surprising. That's awesome. Um, So
0: on the um, entry and uh, exiting, one of the things that's obviously been uh, one thing we've been trying to make clear to people is how you you get into this car and how you get out of it. So maybe we'll start with how you get out of it first, and then we'll talk about getting into it. So can you clear up how do you get out of a Model 3 from the inside?
1: Okay. (laughs) If you're sitting in the front seat or the back seat, uh, when you put your hand on the grab handle, you move your thumb over about one inch, and there's a button there. And when you depress it, it pops the door open. So it, uh, it you know, unlatches the, uh, you know, through a solenoid. And the door pops open about an inch. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you just push the door open. Now, as a backup in the front, but on a, but not on the back, there is a mechanical um, latch um, right in front of the uh, buttons for the window, you know, for the window controls. And you can just pull on that. And that's a backup. And that's a mechanical backup. So there's probably cable in there. So the same kind of idea. Yeah. So pretty easy. Yeah, I think people have been... It it feels feels natural. natural. The first time you do it, it, it's totally natural. The first time you're like, how do you open this door? But when you do it, it's like, oh, okay, that makes sense.
0: Right, because from photos, people can confuse that button with the uh, window. But when you're actually using it, it seems unlike—I mean, I, th- I think they would have tested that people would know that's where you go to open versus, you know, raising well, your or hand the Well, your windows. hand
1: just naturally goes into that position, mm-hmm. and then when you move your thumb over and you press it the first time, you go, oh, okay, that totally makes sense. So I understand where the confusion's fr- coming from, but just like anything, you, once you do things once, then you know forever how it works.
0: And then opening the door from the outside, uh, how is that hockey stick door handle
1: well, you and I are already familiar how that works. So this, you know, it's not a mystery to us. Um, I know that some people, the one thing that I did discover is that you can open the door um, with your hand by pushing, of course, you know, you push on the fat part and it swivels out and you grab it. But you can actually open the door um, either from the bottom or the top. It just takes, you know, however you move your hand on the, on the door handle. Um felt solid. Um, I think they're, I think they're plastic. Uh, it was hard to tell. I, I couldn't tell in the video, mm-hmm. of course. Um, the inside opening is all covered and stuff. So there's not, there's not going to be any debris or water or snow getting in there. Um, how they fare in the winter months, of course, in Canada, there's the odd time once in the winter, uh, where you might get some freezing rain or whatever. Mm. So we'll see how that behaves. But, uh, no, the first time you open the door, you just get it. And then, you know, off you go. Uh, You know, for new passengers, you know, when you pick up somebody the first time, you're going to have to explain it to them, but you only have to do it once, so it's not really big. It's not really a big deal.
0: And then just onto the detail of the interaction, because I'm curious, because I didn't, they didn't let me touch the door handle at the event. Um, So on the on the Model S, uh, you sort of pull it a little bit, and then it assists. But so it's sort of this sort of uncanny thing where you know there's some sort of trip or button that this pulling the Mm -hmm. door handle a little bit is, and then it pops. And then on the Model. X, you kind of have to push, and for, at least for me, I kind of have to push harder than I was expecting yeah. to get some button to then open the door. So on the Model 3, it, is it fully mechanical? Am I pushing, and then I, it pops a little bit, sort of how much do I have to push? Could you talk a little bit about sort of the, the finer details, if you can remember, on how that felt and it's like how, how much my, it automated
1: it's pretty clear in my mind how it works uh basically you um i mean if you're if you're a normal person who's approaching the vehicle say from the uh, driver's side you reach out with your left hand and you push your thumb in on the fat part the door handle pops out maybe about a quarter of half of the way and then the door popper um, actuates so you hear this and the door opens about half an inch. And then that singular motion of pushing the fat part in um, swivels the door handle down into the palm of your hand. And at that point, you just curl your fingers and you pull. It's, so it's it's very natural. Was the popping happening when you were pushing with the thumb or after you yes. sort of pulled? No, it pops as yeah. soon as you push so your thumb a little, it, so it, it, um,
0: yeah. yeah, so a little bit of pressure starts the popping and then you just sort of are continuing to open the door versus many door handles where you sort of pull it a little bit and then it gives and then you pull and it actually releases the door, which I think is possibly confusing people because I think it's going to take a ton of effort to open this door because you're going to have to fiddle to push it in and then you yank it open. And it sounds like it's actually just a little bit of pressure on the thumb part where – we'll start popping open and
1: I I agree. I think for most people if you really want to see it in action properly, if you look at the video, there's two parts where I actually actuate the door handle. One of them is when I use the phone to approach the car to unlock and I actually, you know, push the fat part and you can actually see the door open. The second part is when I give the demonstration by the key card and that's it couldn't be clear so as soon as you push on the fat part you hear the door pop and it opens and at that point you just pull in the door it's already open at that point yeah exactly that's, that's a cool part. On it. So that's yeah.
0: just for that's just for leverage actually as, as yes, lever. exactly. yeah exactly yeah. that yeah that's cool um so talking about the door um uh, getting getting in so we've got the key card and the app uh you demo you demonstrated using the app i was curious if you could share sort of how did that work in practice? Was, did you, Were you able to force close the app and it was still connected via Bluetooth? How quickly did it open? How far away? Was it like 30 feet away? Or was it, it looked like it, you got pretty close before it even opened. So it was doing some proximity sensing even on Bluetooth.
1: Yeah, I I can't um, I can't really talk about the you know how the, the app works whether you force quit or something because it's not something I actually did. Mm. So what I did have was the owner's uh, phone, and um, I'll, I'll say this um, because I know there's been a lot of talk about you know approaching the vehicle, what locks, what unlocks, what do you have to do. There's literally no interaction with the phone. All you have to do is have it on you. I held it out in front of me in the video to show people that. You don't have to do anything. All you have to have is the phone with you. And the unlocking of the doors happens... The behavior is exactly like a key fob, like on a Model S, where you have to approach within three feet. It's not 30 feet. It's not 20. It's it's three feet. So the interaction and the behavior is just like a key fob. Um, As far as the app is concerned... um, it was, I couldn't determine whether the actions we were doing on the phone were done over Bluetooth or LTE hmm. because we were within sort of a Bluetooth bubble. So I'm going to assume that interactions within that distance were done over Bluetooth, but it was literally instantaneous. Um, when I you know pressed the, the door or the honking stuff, it was uh, markedly faster than, um, say, going over the, uh, the LTE network. Yeah. And if and, you that on, yeah. Cause if you experience that on a Model S, you, there's always a little bit of like a one or two second delay on this thing. You just press the button and it was, it was just done.
0: Yeah. And the intention is you don't even have that, need to have the app open. It's just, you have the unlock pocket. Yeah, exactly. For unlocking. Right, right. right yeah. It, For the unlocking yep. or the uh, locking, as sort of if you have the walk walk away to lock. Yeah. So. As a
1: matter of fact, when we were doing the filming of the car, um, the, <laughs> the owner would always walk out of the shot and it was constantly locking the doors mm-hmm. on us. Uh, so we had to actually go into the car and actually say, you know, please stop locking the doors when he walks away. That's good. <laughs> so we actually had to turn that off because that was the other question how far do I have to walk away? And we knew it was like as soon as he would walk away, three feet later, I I mean, the the doors were locking on us. So that was a bit of an annoyance, but that's just, you know, for filming purposes. So we just turned that off.
0: And then the key card, um, I think people have seen how it works. You tap uh, on the B pillar and then it unlocks and then you have some amount of time uh, to to put your foot on the brake and start it up and put the key card on the inside Mm -hmm. to make sure that you're the person. How was it, uh, using it? I'm sure you did a couple tries to do it for the video, but I'm just curious as no, someone who would do it for, what you for see, real.
1: <laughs> what you see on film was me using it exactly the first time, for a shot, mm. first try. There was, there was no prior uh, attempt at it. The owner said, here's the key card, go crazy. So I literally just turned on the camera and started walking. He said, just tap it on the B pillar. And, and what you see there is the first time I ever did it. So it's literally that easy. Um, Yes. Uh, and, you know, I know there's a lot of confusion about the key card, you know, oh, I don't want to have to use a key card. It's um, It couldn't be simpler. Now, you know, we have to reiterate again, the key card is really as a backup to, you know, your phone because Tesla really wants people to use their phone as the primary key fob on this vehicle, but it couldn't be simpler. You approach the vehicle, you just tap it physically onto the B pillar, the door's unlocked, you get in the car, you put it right by the, uh, the cup holders because there's a little proximity antenna there and you push the brake on the car, and it just comes live. After that, because you're authenticated, you can put the key card away. You can put it in your pocket. It doesn't, yeah. ni- it doesn't need to stay there.
0: Yeah, that's what's funny, too, is a lot of the photos show it there to reiterate to people that that's where you put it, but Correct. it doesn't need to stay there. It's not like no. you have to drive like there's an egg balancing on your center console or something. You can <laughs> yeah, put it away. You can
1: put, yeah, you, or you can put it in your wallet, stick it in your wallet and stuff. So. We didn't actually test it in a wallet. We just, mm. know, that was the first time I actually had it in my hand, so. Got it. Cool.
0: So uh, talking about the screen and then we'll talk about the UI. So what did you think of seeing the screen and being a driver with that new 15 inch landscape screen?
1: Well, we've been seeing these pictures for, you know, since the reveal event in in 2016. And, um, you know, Tesla's pretty honest generally that you know what they show in the prototype is generally what they bring to market especially with the model 3
0: yeah that part so, hasn't changed that seems except yeah the I logo mean the, on the back i think is the only thing that's not there anymore
1: yeah they've just minor little things but the gist of it is 99.9 percent of what you saw has yeah. actually made it to production so um the the screen is i'll say this um ergonomically wow it's so much better in my personal opinion i would love to see this in an s or an x i know it's not for everybody but from a horizontal aspect, especially in the lack of a binnacle, mm-hmm. this makes sense to go this way. So I don't know what it is. It's just I think part of it, too, is the placement of the screen being closer to you and higher means that the reach to get to the screen ergonomically is so much better than what you see in an S or an X where it, you, know, you know as well as I do. Um, to get to the bottom row of the of the of the screen is a little bit more of a stretch than you know in the model three because of Mm -hmm. course you've been in the model three yourself you know that for for a fact um so yeah i i really like the horizontal layout now it's not without its um, downsides of course because um you know we'll talk about this you know the screen you know uh, layout here but um you can't do split screen on this thing, uh, at least not yet in this right. iteration of the software. So, you know, if you bring up your camera, your backup camera takes up the full screen. So you can't do things like navigation and backup or navigation and uh, energy graphs and stuff. So, plus the the fact that the first third of the screen, of course, is showing you your autopilot and your you know, your current driving um, speed and all that other, you know, the situational awareness stuff is in that first third. So, um
0: uh, but you know, brightness yeah, and you know, sort of sturdiness, very high quality. Sh- yeah,
1: yeah, it's a very high quality screen. Um, you know, I think we heard you know through the grapevine that this is you know made by LG. I, I don't, I can't verify that. Um, it's very solidly mounted. It does not tilt. It doesn't rotate. It doesn't swivel. It Doesn't do any of that stuff. It's very solidly mounted. So kids can hang off of this. I know a lot of people have been asking about it. You know, oh, you know, what if it breaks off? It's Not going to break off. Mm-hmm. Um, um, glare is not an issue. We noticed no issues with glare either on the windscreen or in operational use um not really an issue um i don't know if that's a coding on the screen or just you know positioning i, I can't tell but uh, we had no problems with glare it's perfectly positioned that way so um
0: and going down the road you didn't notice it bumping around a little bit like you no might not have with an iphone and a mount
1: Mm-mm. no yeah, nothing like that. no solid solid solid
0: um, and then being able to see your speed you mentioned a little bit in the video that it was sort of in your periphery when you were driving, uh, so do you, is your sense that uh, Tesla made a good decision here with moving, removing the binnacle that for, for a lot of people, it will be okay?
1: It's not an issue at all. I mean, there's so much digital ink been spilt about this issue over the internet over the last yeah. year and a half, as you know. It's not an issue. It's, 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 it's perfectly positioned. Um, it's right in your peripheral. I mean, let's face it. There's other cars on the market that have had center screens much uh before the model 3 it's just not a lot of people know about it i've owned two cars that were set up like this and it was never an issue mm-hmm. you get used to where it is you go looking for it when you need to look at it but let's face it 99% of the time you're driving flow you know with the flow of traffic and you're not really checking your speed all the time so uh it's it's a really a, a non issue They've, you know the ergonomics makes sense so it's just one of those things it, it takes you you know 2 seconds to get used to um more than anything it was mostly things like um where do you find the settings on the car? Because literally everything on this car is controlled through the screen. There's no buttons, of course, as you know on the dash. yeah, so uh, you know Tesla's just taking this to the next level in terms of more integration in a centralized location.
0: So talking about the UI a bit, um, I guess there's sort of a, sort of three things there's the left hand side that has the informational. Uh, situational awareness stuff there's the center area which will have the backup camera or the nav and then there's an overlay when there's settings up and i guess there's a third fourth part of media so were any of those stand out to you compared to what you've seen in the SNX? or you know pretty much it's obviously not exactly the same but at least watching the videos and seeing screenshots of the ui it feels quite familiar it, it, nothing of it really stood out as particularly different, except for not having split screen. Does that seem accurate or anything st- stood out having used it for two days?
1: Yeah, I would agree with you 100%. I mean, they've had to put the first third of the screen as situational awareness, because of course, you don't have a binnacle, so you got to put this stuff somewhere. But um, the rest of the screen is literally the, the nav is, is front and center. That is really what is in the background at all times. Everything else uh, is an overlay on top of the nav. As far as features are concerned with the nav and the other functions, it's literally just like an S or an X. It's just been rejiggered a little bit for the horizontal screen but otherwise the functions are all there it's it operates just the same way yeah i I just sort of wanted to point
0: out again that it was so clear looking at the settings how there's a lot of space and and even with just a few settings uh it's just so obvious if you're like oh i want to turn on creep and it's just like a slider and just imagining that in other interfaces for other vehicles where they have all these buttons for those things It's just inane. Like, yes, it's maybe one level deep, but it's so clear when you get to that level exactly what it is. Because there's a description and text and a nice big swipe target that even though not everything is done with the UI and we know that's going to continue to improve... The settings that are there, it was just so, you just sort of went through them all and it's like, yep, that makes sense. It makes sense. Like, where am I going to find this? It's in safety or it's in, you know, driver profiles or homelink. Like it was all very, very clear. And that's very similar with SNX. It's just obviously a lot more people have access to this vehicle than have access to SNX. And. I think it'll be quite refreshing to them to see the settings panel that's basically one, one level deep. It's even simpler than an iPhone, which has multi-level now.
1: Uh, yeah, my takeaway from the settings screen specifically on the Model 3 is that the ergonomics and how it's laid out is actually better than an S or an X. Whenever, And I've spent lots of time in an S or an X, but every time I go into the settings screens of those cars, I'm always hunting for something. Uh, when I sat in the Model 3 and I went into the settings, it was just like boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. I knew where everything was. I don't know why, it just felt right. Um, so I would expect that some of this stuff will probably come, you know, in a in a UI update to the rest of the cars in due time. But, uh, I mean, you know, there's some slight differences in the UIs, you know, because on the S or an X, you don't, you know, have big button sliders. And this one, it more looks, it looks more like iOS. Yeah. You know, with the little sliders you saw there with the green and off. So, um, and of course, there's some real estate in there that can be taken up with more settings. Because as we know, the software on this car is not finished yet. Yeah. There's quite a bit of stuff that's not implemented yet. So,
0: And just the past week, they've rolled out updates with the equalizer, which you guys didn't have a chance to play with because it wasn't even no. in the software yet, and they've updated the, the uh, visual acuity of the backup camera. So it's pretty incredible how quickly... They're pushing software, and it looks like they're definitely gearing up for a lot more people having access to the car uh, pretty soon, it seems like. Yes,
1: I've been in constant touch with the owner, and he's reporting that he's getting one to two software updates a week, and they're implementing new features and correcting things. Um, Literally, I think it was two days after we had access to the car, um, they turned on autopilot. Um, Of course, we only had cruise control at the time. The autopilot visualization was working on the car, but we just could not turn on autopilot, and that was activated a couple days later. And then since then, we've seen several updates. It's like voice activation, Bluetooth, because that's, of course, the big issue that people had. Oh, the thing doesn't have Bluetooth streaming. Uh, no, that's been activated now. That's good. Um, curiously enough, um, there is no screen on the Model 3 yet uh, for the energy graph, right? Right. And that's quite useful. And I hope they implement to that. Um, the other thing, too, what was the other thing that was missing on the car that I forget now what it was? Uh, oh, trips. Uh, there's there's no trip meter at this point mm. yet, so that's another thing that they have to implement. And new things. Yeah. Well, the browser, yeah, the browser is a bit of a bone of contention because... I think it won't happen. Yeah. I don't know what's going on. They may decide to just completely drop. The fact that they haven't even updated the browser, the promised browser update in exactly. the S and the X now still hasn't materialized, I think... Tesla maybe just kind of testing the waters, maybe with the three says, you know, people, do you really need this? Yeah, so and it, we'll it
0: constrains the LTE usage and just the security uh, from our point of view, the security implications of having a browser. That's been the major vector for all the security hacks that people have had with the SNX have been a majority of them have come through the yeah, browser. So yeah. just, Browsers are very dangerous. Uh,
1: pers- personally, I'm not lamenting the loss of a browser. It's just yeah. not something that I really care about. My wife might have a different opinion, but for me, <laughs> uh, I, I'm not worried about that. I would just rather see the energy graph thing. That's more important yeah. to me than anything else.
0: One little question I had that didn't come up in the video, and I don't even think I asked you, was on the nav. Did you use the nav to basically do point-to-point where... On the S, it will both show you the step by step on the big screen, but then on the on the binnacle it will show you the upcoming turns and sort of preview things similar to the way like a iOS or Android, Google Maps or Apple Maps will do. Um, did you get any sense for the audio overlays or any visual cues for next turns or any any comments on like the nav experience
1: we did not have the voice function turned on at the time Um, Mm. if i recall correctly we did do a point-to-point navigation um from our drive from the airport um and if i remember correctly the point-to-point turns were um if, if you look at the press photos from the model 3 on the interior you'll see that there's like that Uh, you know the normal list that would come up on an s or an x before it kind of disappears if i remember correctly that kind of stayed there for a little bit then it disappeared you'd have to tap the screen to get it to come back but it does Mm. not it's not like it goes into the binnacle like you would see on an s or an x where you can put it say on the left side or the right side that that doesn't happen it
0: doesn't put on the situational awareness side
1: yeah no no
0: got it um and one other thing i'm curious uh, or just sort of interesting is that the top-down view of the car is quite different in the three than it is in the snx uh Mm -hmm. this sort of it's more above the vehicle and you get more behind the vehicle on the sort of situational and obviously the um the size of that part of the screen is much bigger than it is in the snx but i'm curious i'm sort of reading tea tea leaves there to wonder if that's going to portend a slightly different um amount of information for enhanced autopilot and Full, full self-driving, because it's quite zoomed out relative to the S and X one where you're kind of yeah, right behind I, the car. Yeah,
1: there's some potential there for sure. I, I remember when we were driving um, on the highways, of course, when you put it into drive, of course, the um, the situational awareness section changes where it shows, you know, kind of like what you would see in an autopilot and stuff. Um, being that the screen is is vertical, they've actually zoomed in on that spot, uh, spot a little bit more than you would see on the S and X. Mm. So it's a little bit larger. But yeah, there's, there's quite a bit of screen real estate on there that they could change some other things. Um I mean, in the essence, uh, in the lack of of an energy screen, um, they did put, and I mentioned this in the video, of course, during the test drive, is that Tesla's put um, a very thin gray bar. Underneath the drive symbol and where your battery is, you can see it in the press photos. And when you're driving the car, when you're when you're accelerating, of course, it, the, the bar will you know, from the fifty percent marker to the right, it will show you in black, you know, how much energy usage you're using as as just a, a graphic of a bar moving. Not yeah, there's relative, no numbers. Of, yeah, yeah, there's there's no numbers, of course. And then when you're doing regenerative, it goes to the left side and it shows you in green, you know, a, a, kind of like a, a a thermometer or strength meter of sorts. But that's the only visual ind- indicator that you have on there as far as energy usage is, uh, is concerned, at least for now.
0: Yeah. And I guess one of, the, um, one of the other things, too, that is kind of curious or was kind of neat, actually, was that the bottom portion of that left-hand rail um, is where they've got little buttons for the voice control and the wipers. And what was kind of neat is you showed when you turn on the wipers from the stock, that section is contextual. Yes, and so is. when you touch it, it then moves to what the wipers are. And I would imagine there's going to be other contextual bits there. And it's. There's one um, for the phone, too. Right. Yeah. The phone now has that. That's exactly mm-hmm. right. So I think that's a, a really neat thing uh, that we're enabled by software and uh, being able to have that little section that's just sort of for the just just in touch just perfectly in reach because it's at the bottom of the screen which is great so you don't have to really raise your arm and it's just right there i think that's sort of been under reported underappreciated for how that section is going to be really perfect for when you need to do things like maybe you want to adjust your following distance or all these things in autopilot that we haven't quite figured out exactly how those are going to work um, and there's maybe regulatory issues or whatnot of having those on the buttons but just having that section there, I think is pretty, pretty neat. And when you turn on those windshield wipers, it really made my mind click that that's a a special area of the, of the UI that is quite unique. The S and X don't really do that.
1: Yeah. I think, um, I think, you know, people are looking at pictures and video right now and and once they experience it in person, they'll go, "Uh aha, you know, the light bulb will go off, you know, and they'll probably get it. I think my only real complaint personally, um, as far as the situational awareness area was when you're in the cruise control, um, you know, to adjust the cruise control speed up or down, um, it's little plus or minus buttons beside where it shows you the, you know, the speedometer is. So I personally, I think that that really should belong more at the bottom of the screen. It's a little easier reach or maybe on one of the contextual scroll wheels. But again, this is a software update away. If people complain about it enough, I mean, Tesla can always change it. But uh, right now in this early stage of the game, I think that would be probably my only complaint at this point as far as the screen is concerned. Yeah. So then any... Um any rattles or
0: sounds you you know you're driving for a while and not always filming anything anything stand out that was maybe maybe particular to that car or something that uh you know was just annoyances or weird things about
1: um not that i recall uh, yeah. it was it was very quiet i mean like i said uh i mean i mentioned this in the video and of course here uh was just how quiet the car was if 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 i heard any rattles you wouldn't know it because the car is so bloody quiet um do we want to talk about the computer in the screen by chance
0: yeah let's do that so um i guess we are pretty confident now that they're running intel we've done an episode on nvidia a couple episodes back but they're running intel for the actual uh touchscreen interface and you've had some sort of unique thoughts on why maybe the software has been uh taking a little longer than maybe people mm-hmm. anticipated. Maybe you could talk about that a little bit.
1: Yeah, sure. Um I don't I'm not too sure how how much people know about, you know, kind of general history as to, as to what Tesla has been using all these years, last 5 years on the S and the X, but the main center screen generally known as the MCU has been running um, a Tegra three chip for a long time. And Nvidia. it's not a NVIDIA. Yes. NVIDIA. Yeah. And this is where the confusion comes from people, you know, saying, oh, they're switching yeah. to Intel. Does, does that mean they're getting rid of N- uh, NVIDIA for autopilot? No, that's a separate thing altogether. But as far as the screen is concerned, um, it, it certainly appears through the grapevine here that Intel or that uh, Tesla has has moved to an Intel um, instruction set, some kind of CPU silicon on on chip and SOC um, for all of the computational stuff on on the screen. It has very little to do with graphics necessarily, because you know a lot of this stuff is kind of vector based. It's not that big of a deal, but the sheer responsiveness of the screen really indicates something else mm. is going on behind the scenes here. So I really do believe we're looking at a new um cpu um, that's doing the computational stuff for the screen it's very apparent especially in the maps when you're zooming in and zooming out and looking at things uh, things happen like instantaneously on this um you've spent some time in an s and of course you probably played with the screen and i think you that was the it same too. yeah
0: it, uh, that was something that i feel like people are under reporting how bad the s is like it it is extremely slow comparative to a modern day iphone or ipad and I was kind of surprised that people were still, like that, that was still shipping in modern S's and X's. And then I dug in and found out, yeah, they're kind of using the same legacy chip and haven't really updated it. And so, yeah, I was like, this is well, strange. I, I,
1: sh- I think we're going to see an update in the S or X before too long. <laughs>
0: yeah. So you're they saying that, like that is, that's fixed. It's, it's responsive and as performant. Or maybe, let's see, is, do you feel like it's as performant as modern smartphones uh, people would be used to for touch performance?
1: Yeah, I think if you took, um, you know, um, well, not, I wouldn't say a current generation iPad, but say an iPad that's uh, one or two generations ago, I would say it's about the same speed as that. It's quite surprising. And then in turn, we've seen some
0: videos from other people who don't seem to be as uh, in tune with what Tesla's doing. And so they they kind of are futzing around with the screen and some people and I was seeing saying oh this person has to touch it a lot of times for it to register their touch Uh, can you put to rest any claims that like it's not registering touch or did you have to push a lot harder or any any sort of recalibration to touching the screen and this maybe seemed like a weird question but people were kind of (laughs) freaking out about this.
1: Um there were a couple of times when we were using the screen that um it was it, it took a couple of touches and stuff so I, I'm not too sure whether it's the touch targets are mm. not in the right place or whatever. I will say this, uh, we experienced a couple of reboots on the screen by itself. Well, one of them was um kind of on its own and another time when it wasn't responding 100%, we actually had to physically reboot it, you know, the two scroll wheel button yep. thing to get it to rego. Um it did not affect the driving of the vehicle whatsoever. We were still able to drive the vehicle. Uh, without any issues it's just we didn't show that on on camera because like it's you know we didn't want to reinforce the fact that the software is not finished
0: yeah, so and think, that, that happened to me when I was driving a 2016 Model S. It freaked out, and doing navigation, I had to reset the, yeah. the computer. So, it, but,
1: it, but people have to realize here that the, the MCU is separate from the drive exactly, system, yeah. right? They, they, I was they still driving. It was fine. Exactly. So I don't think that's really a bit of an issue. But I think it just kind of reinforces that because we're talking about a new CPU here, they had to port the kernel over, they had to read out, write everything, because, you know, the Tegra's are an ARM architecture, ARM instruction set, I should say, and the Intel is using an Intel instruction set. So you literally have to rewrite everything the kernel the software the drivers everything so i think that's why we're looking at you know some of these delays and some of the features not implemented yet it's because they had to rewrite everything
0: well and for people who have s's and x's who are like where are my software updates with meaningful updates you're telling me the superchargers have charging rates like that doesn't seem like a big feature and (laughs) i think the, the problem is they're not seeing all the software that the same software engineers who are working on firmware are doing that are focused on Model 3 right now.
1: Well yeah they're so far ahead on a lot of things you know it's the validation that slows things down as far as when they can release things so there's a very you know you know, as a software developer there's always a disconnect between what you're currently working on and what you've actually released so. Yeah and that you're releasing software to a group that can't even use it
0: as an X can't use the Model 3 software so they're not seeing that progress even though there's big progress ex- happening. Exactly but
1: team. in due time if and I feel very confident here that before too long we're going to see this new computer system in an S or an S refresh you, you can't leave this new system in a 35000 Dollar car, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's I'm really curious. Really, it has to come to the to the higher end cars. I'm curious
0: really. if they're going to switch to landscape or if they've done this in sort of a flexible way where they're going to keep. I'm the okay with portrait. that.
1: either I'm okay with that either way. But I yeah. really do like the ergonomics that the horizontal screen affords. Whether they lose the binnacle or not matters not. But I do like the horizontal layout. But I, I'm not married to it. So.
0: Yeah, interesting. So I'm curious, uh, last two questions. One, anything in the that you didn't get to cover in the video that you sort of head smacked afterwards that it was published that you wish you talked about? you could use this as your platform to any, <laughs> anything else that you feel like, Oh, I should have talked about that or comments. People asked that you felt like, Oh, that was, that was actually a lot of people
1: asked about that. We didn't get the cover oh, it. it. It's hard to say because I have over 2000 comments on this video. I can't keep track of them. So, um, I would say I would have liked to have, um, had access to autopilot at the time. That was the yeah. main, I think that's the main thing that everybody's asking for, irrespective of the fact that autopilot has been covered to your blue in the face. There's plenty of YouTube videos on, on autopilot. I mean, Autopilot's autopilot. I think what people want to see it is, you know, it actually working. So the owner actually sent me a subsequent video that I tweeted out and I put on the YouTube channel um, of autopilot actually operating. So, you know, if you want to see that, just go to the, you know, our channel and you can see that video that I put up. Um, Other than that, I really can't think of anything else that I really wanted to spend some time on there. I mean, we did spend some time on the HVAC system because, of course, that's the big question that a lot of people had on that. Um, You know, in retrospect, I shouldn't have used streamers. I should have used yarn or something. But other than that, uh, I think I covered most of the stuff that people, um, you know, had questions about. We're getting, you know, kind of edge case questions and stuff. But it's just, you know, a lot of the questions we're actually getting is stuff that we've covered in the video. It's just people can't be bothered to watch an hour and 10 minutes worth of video.
0: Yeah. I guess, yeah, just briefly on the HVAC, because it's been a big question, a big, big thing is, do you, could you tell if the air was coming out through the entire channel, even behind, like, was it actually quite wide or did it actually feel like this is where vents would have been? It just happens to be a big slit, if that makes,
1: if that makes sense. I know exactly what you're talking about. The, the air comes out of the whole slit from side to side, except for the spot that's covered by the screen. Got it.
0: So it is a wider width mm-hmm. than yes. what you would get in a traditional vehicle. Yep. And then in terms of the noise, at least in the video it sounded it sounded like it got pretty loud when you cranked it up to the 10 or 11. Um could you could you sense it at the lower speeds if the blower was further back or anything about sort of having a wider distribution that maybe it was quieter or more sort of gentle at lower speeds or any sort of commentary on that
1: yeah uh well at full tilt it's really quite loud but then again you know when you got a silent car what what isn't um at, at normal operational speed, if you stick it to auto and you, ha- you don't have the temperature set to super cold and stuff, it just operates kind of in the background. Um, it's kind of like a background noise. You don't hear it all that much. Uh, the blower is centrally located, and it's deep um, in the back, whatever. I don't know how much sound deadening they put on that, mm-hmm. but... Um, uh, you know, I think I think by anything. I mean, anytime you rush air past an orifice of some f- size, you know, it, it, you know, in a car that's rather small, uh, you're going to get more noise. If the orifice was much larger, you wouldn't get it quite as much noise. But it's just a it's a factor of you know the velocity of the air coming out through the size of the orifice. So. It, I think for most people, it's going to be very adequate. Some people will complain about it being, you know, loud at at high speed settings, but you know, you're not really operating this on high all the time. I will say this: that the air conditioning system works exceptionally well in this car. Uh, we were able to crank it up and uh, get cold air out of it very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. The heat, on the other hand, took a little bit longer, but they're still using resistive heater here. So, uh, and then when we flipped it back, it took a little while for the heat to kind of drain out of the system, so to speak. I don't I mean, know whether way mm-hmm. to kind of yeah. put it. Um, still but running
0: it, over those hot coils yeah
1: exactly so um no i'm very very happy with the, the air conditioning system it's, it's really not going to be an issue for people
0: and then for people who want to get air into their face are they going to be able to do that
1: yes absolutely there you go yeah, if you take it out of auto mode and you put it at the i mean you've you've played with it at the, at yeah. the thing where you can put the diffuser on if you take it out of diffuser mode you can stick it right in your face not a problem
0: cool well uh any closing thoughts trev on for folks who really wish they could have been you <laughs> and driven <laughs> this car uh and they're like hmm i still have some questions or i'm i'm not quite sure or just any any sort of closing thoughts basic maybe like what you expected going in versus what you experienced coming out any any differences of opinion or was it what you expected
1: um no i mean i <sighs> I've, I've been paying attention to the Model 3 so, so long now yeah. that, you know, not a lot's a mystery to me anymore. But um, my takeaway from the car is really that, you know, not only the attention to detail here, but they're thinking differently about the vehicle. and And it's all in a good way. But unfortunately, you can't really appreciate it. Uh, from pictures, you really got to experience the car in person. So, if anybody's out there and sees a Model Three and they're in a public place or whatever, ask the owner nicely. See if you can check out the car. I think you'd be very pleasantly surprised. My only, you know, problem I have at this point is that sadly I'm not going to be able to have access to a Model Three yeah. <laughs> in Canada for a long, long time. Um, so yeah, I'm oh. sad about that, but.
0: One thing I'd be remiss if we didn't talk about it was does it have the Tesla DNA of acceleration and handling and just sort of general EV excellence?
1: Absolutely. Yeah. This is definitely a Tesla. It feels like a Tesla. It accelerates like a Tesla. Now, it's not ludicrous, mind you. Yeah. But it, it has that fun factor. It was a fun car to drive. It was very stable. Now, it doesn't have air suspension as coil. So it's, you know, it doesn't drive like my Lincoln, which is like floating on a cloud type of thing. But that's not the purpose. Mm-hmm. I think. I think suspension-wise and driving-wise, um, driving and acceleration and the fun factor is very much Tesla. I think in terms of, of, of quality and the benchmark, you're really looking at a BMW 3 Series. That's really what they're aiming for. And having owned three different BMWs over the years, that's my takeaway from the car. It feels more German than it does American.
0: That's great. Awesome. Well, uh, where can people find you and uh, learn more about you know Model 3 and all that?
1: Well, I'm very active on Twitter. My handle is at model3owners and you can also find me on the forum at model3ownersclub.com and uh, yeah, those are the main places really.
0: Cool. And I noticed we didn't talk about it at the top, which is something I'm remiss to uh, forget. So what were you drinking during this episode?
1: Oh, you know, I'm not much of a drinker, but today I'm kind of celebrating because the video has been doing so well. So I busted out the uh, vodka and I threw a splash of orange juice in there.
0: <laughs> All right. A screwdriver. Yeah. We'll put that in the spreadsheet, and uh, I was having a Yamazaki twelve year uh, Scotch, so just a little bit of that, neat, um, in a glass. So I'll put that. We'll put that in the spreadsheet in honor of uh, Mike D, who is our stenographer for all all drinks. So <laughs> we will keep the record clean and can't go an episode without mm-hmm. some accompanying drinks. Well, thanks again, Trev, for joining us, and congratulations on on the success for the video and uh, all the new subscribers. And uh, I'm sorry for all the YouTube trolls who are probably going to be finding you, but um, it's, it comes with the territory, I suppose. Yeah, it certainly
1: does. Thanks a lot for having me on, Caleb. As always, anytime you want, I'll be on.
0: All right. Talk to you later. Thanks, man. See ya.
1: Bye.